Hello and welcome to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. Rachel is a speaker, inspirational author, and an overcomer. As Rachel is walking through her own journey of grief, she's challenging others to persevere and overcome their own circumstances. Find out more at rachelflick.com. Here now is your host, Rachel Flick. Hi, friend. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. I'm Rachel Flick, and I am bringing you part two of my interview with Janita Pace. She began her passionate pursuit in 2001 to help people who battle depression after overcoming her own battle and now runs a private practice in Minnesota. She's a pastor's wife, a licensed professional counselor in the state of Minnesota, and a member of the National Board of Certified Counselors. She is an adjunct professor at Northwestern and holds a bachelor's in biblical studies from Columbia International University and a master's of education in school counseling from Western Carolina University. Janita and her husband, Tim, live with their two sons in Minnesota. Find her on Twitter at Three River Space, on Instagram at Janita Pace, and find her website at threeriversmn.com. Janita, welcome back to the Hopecast. Oh, thank you, Rachel. It was so wonderful to get to hear your story last week and to hear about your passion and and what got you to writing your book, The Healing Names of Jesus, Find Freedom from Depression and Anxiety. And you were saying that you don't think that you'd be the same person that you are today without your experience of depression. And I would love for you to take us back to that point and tell the listeners more about why you say that. Yeah, I look back on my life and I just I realize that without without being brokenhearted, I don't think that I would understand Jesus like I do and how grateful I am for him. And I had this dream one time that um I had my heart in my hands in a dream and it slipped and it broke into a million pieces and I was crying and I was overwhelmed and then Jesus silently picked up all these pieces and he handed them to me to show me that now I had things to give. Now I had things to give other people mm. and that it would never run out. You know, kind of the fish analogy, like, you know, it's, it just keeps filling itself. And I really held on to that dream that I think when we have our heart broken and God in the Bible talks about being close to the brokenhearted, it's an expensive price to pay to be close to him. But I really think that his heart breaks with us and then he has unlimited pieces to give which he gives through our pieces. And so that's how I view my depression is it's fueled my ability to give something that I wouldn't have otherwise. And in that analogy, do you feel like you are saying that it is it requires you to stay in pieces in order to give pieces or that in the breaking, the Lord has multiplied something in you that you can offer to other people and yet he has continued the process of restoration in you and bringing your pieces back together. Because I know when, when my husband passed, I felt like a bomb went off, right? Like, I'm like, I don't yeah. even know if there's pieces. It might be powder, right, at this point. Yeah. Um, and I I really wanted to know that he could put my pieces back together. That felt really scary that I might always be in pieces. Yeah. For me, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think that... Part of it is, yes, uh, there's a disorienting time where you just, you don't even know which way is up. And so I think God does, quote unquote, put us back together. I think he heals those pieces and brings us back. 
I think for me, the feeling of brokenness is there often because I think I still struggle. But strangely enough, I've become more comfortable with the brokenness. And I've become comfortable with the idea that Mm. being broken means that I get to understand Jesus's strength and grace because I know I can't be a counselor and give unless I'm in his office every day, Mm. (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. And so if I fully, quote unquote, recovered and then was strong on my own, I think I would begin to feel that I didn't need him anymore. So I think that analogy helps me conceptualize that it's okay and it's actually more powerful to be in a broken place because then you know the only way you're getting through is by him. Mm-hmm. I really chewed on and meditated on the idea that his strength is perfected in our weakness. And um, before, you know, trauma, I don't know if I really understood what it meant that when we surrender to the healing power of Jesus, there's a great feeling of weakness, at least for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. I cannot pick myself up. I cannot help myself. I'm at the bottom of the well with broken arms. Mm-hmm. And there is the power of Christ. And there is where he shows himself in these magnificent and divine ways. And if I was taking care of myself, I wouldn't even be looking, let alone receiving from him. And I love how in your book, you list some of the names that you wrote about. And I would love for you to elaborate on some of those, because I think we're right in the thick of the meat of your work, especially when you talk about Jesus as our doctor and being in his office every day. Yeah, you know, each one is so special to me in different ways. I think one that meant a lot to me, adoption is a big part of my life. My brother was adopted. I've adopted a son and so in the adoption process, you know, you, you get so excited and you wait for this child. And, um, you know, when my brother came over from Korea, that's where we adopted him from. We dreamed about him and, you know, we got his room ready. And finally the day came and we went to the airport more super early and waited and camped out. And when he came off the plane, we were just so thrilled. And we took him home and we invited all our friends to come see him. And then I took him for show and tell the next day in third grade. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, but, he's like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people in America. <laughs> and this little six-month <laughs> child is just overwhelmed. Aww. But that was the depth of the excitement. And so if that's how excited a human family is about an adoption, then how much more is a God who created you and redeemed you? And so this whole picture is a rescue mission. It's the most expensive adoption. But I use the word family. That was my last name in the book. One of the most powerful ones because I think if we fully comprehend the depth of God's love, the mission to sacrifice and save you as the listener, the determination that they would rather suffer as a trinity than be without you, then that brings whole new meaning to who we are. And that shows the depth of God's love and commitment. And so if he's that committed to adopting you, he won't leave you now. Like Mm. he's already paid a huge price and the determination between the father, the spirit and the son. And so for me, that family picture really helps because there's times when I think, how can this be part of it? (laughs) But I look back at the adoption price for me and I think about the excitement that God had in getting me and rescuing me, and I think, okay, well, he he won't leave me now, <laughs> you know. That's incredible. Honestly, I'm just like 
sitting here flabbergasted with that picture of, I have some friends who adopted their daughters and it's an incredibly expensive process. And I think about what they went through to, you know, choose them and to go through the agency and to be um, cleared as, you know, a healthy, safe family that could adopt. And then to go through the process of, you know, waiting and, and having that child um, connect with your family and, and the, the legal fees. And like when you like flesh that out for me as the reality of God did infinitely more than that, but the price that he paid, like we say that the price that he paid, the price that he paid, like I grew up in the church and I've heard that thousands of times and I've never connected with that on an emotional level. And you bringing that to like a physical adoption of a local or an international adoption and the great price and the waiting and the longing for and the preparation, man, that brings that home. Thank you. Well, and I even had the gift of, I had once, Carter is my, was my one child before we adopted Matthew. And I thought if the foster system said, you can have Matthew, but you have to agree to have Carter be put to death, I would have said, absolutely not. You can have anything else, but you cannot have my only child. And so the idea that I would give Carter for Matthew, I just can't even comprehend what that looks like. And that Carter would be willing and say, we can't not do this, you know? <laughs> and so incredible. having the picture of like God doing the thing that I would never do. And so that's the value of us is that only son being willing to sacrifice himself. That's and incredible. The and the spirit wow. being willing to participate. So when that I was feel... a truth nugget. That was a mic drop <laughs> right there. That's worth all the marbles, Janina. Seriously. <laughs> well, it's... It's been incredible that Carter's inspired me. You know, he's had to take on the big brother role. He's had to give up half of everything he has to help Carter, you know, to help Matthew. And he's, um, he's still, you know, not only did Jesus die, but he continues to live and sacrifice for us. And so it's been a pure honor and privilege to watch Carter teach me about Jesus. Mm. Go Carter. Go Carter. It's your birthday. <laughs> Hope you're listening to your mama. That's awesome. <laughs> that's quite the (laughs) affirmation and compliment for him. I love that. I do hope he gets to hear that. Um, Okay. So what are some of the other names of of God that really helped connect you um, with your healing process and why? The first one in the book is also one of my favorites and it's shepherd, which we hear all the time, but I started studying sheep for the book and I couldn't believe how much I related to that animal you know, sheep have no defense mechanism. They can't see very well. They are emotional creatures. They make friendships. They, um, if they get sick, they try to hide it because they don't know if a predator's watching and going to pick them off. And so mm. they live in anxiety unless they have a protector. If they have a protector that they recognize, then they can live much more in peace. If they're anxious, they get sick easily. And so, and what's neat too, is that a shepherd gains the trust by being with them and being close to them because they can't see well, and then they can hear much better than they can see. And so the picture that this person can call their name and they will come close and the the idea that voice, yes, and the picture that once the sheep have an understanding that this person is safe, they will tend to stay close. Because otherwise they run first and ask questions later. And once <laughs> once one runs, they all run. <laughs> so just a picture of humans. Uh-huh. And 
And the idea that Jesus, first he is the shepherd, but he also came as the lamb and he was rejected by his flock. And so how scary for a little lamb to be rejected. So he understands what it means to be the shepherd and he understands what it's like to be us. So he has a very perfected craft of taking care of us. And so I appreciate Mm. that I'm praying to a God who has lived as a sheep, understands what it's like to be afraid, understands what it's like to be depressed. And then is also the one who constantly I, I can stay close to. And Psalm 23 says we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Terrifying. And so why wouldn't we get afraid? I mean, you know, anxiety to me is just a normal part of this life. I don't think there's any way we go through it without that. And when I hear the words, don't be afraid, I think Christians tend to hit each other over the head with that. But when Mm. I conceptualize it as when my kids were scared and they would be, I'd come in the room, I would say, honey, don't be afraid. Like I'm here now. I wouldn't say, don't be afraid and make it a disciplinary Mm -hmm. action. Right. And so how impressive that we have a God who doesn't say that in a mean tone, but in a very gentle shepherd, like, don't be afraid, come to me and I'll keep you safe. So that's a picture that I use too when I'm really down, um, that I need to draw my soul closer and closer to his voice and stick close. It's so good. That's so good. I can hear you having been willing to do the work of the deep waters you know I think a lot of times um, what is available is a mile wide and an inch deep and you're an inch wide and a mile deep right like you've just gone into the depths with these things and these analogies and I hear the Lord using the scripture you're connecting with connecting with my heart in new ways Mm -hmm. like I got to get this book. This is amazing. (laughs) Well, that was such an honor is to go into each of these metaphors that I had known my whole life and then dig and realize that there are specific reasons why God chooses these metaphors. He Mm -hmm. has, he has truth in them. And it was when I realized too, that sheep hide their illnesses, they hide their weaknesses and that the shepherd has to know each sheep so well that he recognizes their weakness I'm so thankful that God sees my weakness before I even see it. You know, mm. He's ready for me. What do you say of the scripture that says he leaves the 99 to go get the one? I mean, isn't that the picture of the adoption? Like, I, everybody is meant to be accounted for. You know, everyone is meant to be together. And if anyone's missing, I'm going to find them. Mm. And I just, that's the personal touch, I think. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to be re-listening to this. This There's so much <laughs> richness and truth here in your words. And um, friends, if you're um, thinking about a speaker for your event, that is something Janita is available for. And I can, um, I think having you speak on these names of God as you have related to them through your own healing process would be an incredible evening event conference topic. So yeah, I hope people take you up on that. Janita, what's another name of God that you've researched and and gotten healing from? Well, the Lion of Judah was always a picture that fascinated me, even before I wrote this book. And so again, diving into lions, you know, finding out that male lions, their whole job in life is to protect the boundaries of their family, their pride. 
and they are designed specifically for that. They're, I mean, they're about 10 feet long and they can run very fast. And then their eyes have a special mirrored um, piece to it. So even in really dark, dark nights, they can mirror any light back and they can see perfectly well. Wow. And so they are just equipped to do this job. And then they can hear their family anywhere they are. The minute they call for help, he comes out of nowhere and will just, I mean, with tenacity and protect his family. And so that picture that when these lies, like I'm not good enough, my family's better without me. I asked the line of Judah to walk the borders of my mind and just take out those lies, like just destroy them. And I love that picture. That picture has been so helpful for me. And so, and one of the things um, I've done, there's a lion named Entwa de Mela. His name meant um, he who greets with fire. Mm. And he was so aggressive about protecting his pride that there are a lot of videos, um, documentaries about him. And so, and what, a, I'm sure God named that lion, you know, mm. I'm sure that was a name that he chose for that. And so that's what I pray every day is you know, line of Judah, walk the borders of my mind and keep me safe. And wow, that's my prayer. I have a little story to share that's just totally resonating in my heart and bringing tears to my eyes. I, when my husband was alive, he went to night shift and I experienced so much anxiety with him being gone at night. And I didn't even realize how much safety I felt from his presence in our home and as protector. This guy, I'm like, <clears throat> It's choking up over here, people. Um, and the picture that the Lord showed me was um, the Lion of Judah was laying in front of my door like a massive dog, right? Like this huge 10-foot lion. And um, once I saw that picture, I was able to sleep at night again. And wow. anytime I heard a noise or I felt anxious about Micah being gone, I would picture that and it would calm me. And what was incredible was that when he passed away, I bought another home and I was alone for the first time. No one was coming home, right? There was no one to call in that way of a spouse. And um, the Lord showed me the Lion of Judah laying in my entryway in front of my door. Wow. And um, yeah, like the things that you just said um, made me experience again so much the love and the protection that he has for me and the twins. And clearly I'm wrecked right now sharing that with you. So um, Rachel, thank you. Oh, you honor me with your tears and how amazing that God has already brought that name to life for you. That's yeah. inspiring for me. I just love that. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just, you're like wiping me out over here, Janita. I'm like <laughs> having my own personal sermon here on this Hopecast interview. But... <laughs> well, it's, it's just Jesus how, you know, like I said, that story will stick with me of of the lion sitting at your doorway. And I'm sure, again, he gave you that image from his scripture that he protects his family. Yeah, that's incredible. Okay, I think we have time for one more name for you to share with us before this interview is over. And I'm so excited. <laughs> Man, you know, there are just, there are so many good ones. I mean, one that, um, one that meant a lot to me because I think one of the reasons my depression gets on me and my anxiety is not feeling like I'm doing enough. And one name that's in the book is um, Carpenter mm. and uh, Cornerstone together. 
And for those listeners that are thinking, I'm not evangelizing enough. I'm not doing enough. I need to be more. Jesus wants more for me. What I love about Jesus is that when he came to the earth, I would have assumed he would have been born in a palace and be a king and write scripture his whole life and then die a death when he was like 80. But instead, he comes and he lives as a carpenter for 30 years. We have no idea what he did for 30. I mean, 30 years, he built furniture and he went to the synagogue and listened to other people preach and he had dinner with his family and he had friends. And so for most of his life, he lived a very simple life. And we know it's heartbreaking because Isaiah says that he was sad, a man of sorrow. But for those listeners that think they're not enough, I mean, their Jesus model that your daily life is exactly what glorifies Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be days when the best thing you can offer is to brush your teeth. I mean, there are going to mm-hmm. be days when yep. your act of worship is just... <laughs> <Really cool. laughs> your yeah. act of worship is getting out of bed and that's Mm -hmm. all you have. And he is excited about that. And so what's beautiful is car, you know, cornerstone, you have to have that stone that builds the entire building. That's, that's the keystone that all the other stones are built around when you put something together. And so how incredible that Jesus for 33 years, 30 of those years, he lived a very normal everyday life. And yet he was the cornerstone of all of history. So I tell my clients and I tell my listeners, don't be afraid or ashamed if all you have to offer is brushing your teeth in the morning. He's just thrilled that you are in his presence. Mm -hmm. The God of the universe sings about us. And so, so the idea that he's excited to see us in the morning, we're his adopted children and you don't have to earn your salvation and you don't have to earn his love every day. Just do what you can. Mm -hmm. I just want to sit in that. I just want to, take your words and wrap them around me like a blanket and feel comforted in his presence and his love and his protection and his healing. Man, that is so beautiful. Janita, where can people get a hold of your book? If you go to um, threeriversmn.com and click on my book, it's there as well as a free downloadable group guide. So you can do this as a Bible study. You can also find it uh, Barnes & Noble, Christian Book Distributors, and Amazon. I'll carry it. Mm, that's awesome. And um, tell people where they can find you on your website. If you go to threeriversmn.com, there's a section where you can reach out to me, and that's probably the easiest way to find me. So please Perfect. feel free to submit a question or, or you know, if you have a word. Book that you, you for an event to speak on the <laughs> yeah. names of God. Yes, wow. I, do, I do speak wow. on. I'll pick three names or a few names and just bring them to life or apply them to a certain lie that people are experiencing. So that's incredible. I love the work that you've done. And I see um, just you as a student and a researcher with your education and your degrees and what that has done to bring scripture to life. And then you embody it with the reality of, I don't have this all together. I experienced depression and anxiety. I've struggled in my marriage. I know what it feels like to experience loss. And that is such a holistic picture of a helper, right? And there's such humility and yet great depth there. And you have a ton to offer people. It's been such an honor to get to interview you and get to know you today. Janita, thank you. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Absolutely. Everybody, please go find Janita's book, The Healing Names of Jesus, Find Freedom from Depression and Anxiety. I know that I'm going to go and find that. 
Um, and would you rate, review, and subscribe to the Hopecast to help share the message of hope and redemption and resilience for people who are hurting? Everybody, this has been the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. You've been listening to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. To find out more, go to rachelflick.com. While you are there, you can book Rachel for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. Go to rachelflick.com to book her today. While you're online, you can discover more information about all of the platforms that this podcast is on. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave us a review. To follow Rachel on social media, simply click on the social media icons at the top of the page and you will be directed to those sites. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time for another edition of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick.